Alright, my name is Emma Hamlin, and this is my podcast pontification assignment. So the social media site that I've chosen to explore for this assignment is a platform called YouTube. While I'm sure that most people are already pretty well acquainted with this tool, you may not know that YouTube was first launched in 2005 by three guys who had all previously worked for the money exchange app called PayPal. Regardless, since its inception, YouTube has continuously gained substantial popularity, so much so that according to Ben Gilbert from Business Insider, an estimated 1.8 billion people interact with this platform every single month. Just in case you've been living under a rock somewhere, it will be useful to note that YouTube is a website where creators can upload video content on any and every subject. On a functional level, you utilize the platform by clicking video hyperlinks, consuming the video's content, and then eventually spending hours down a rabbit hole of DIY crafts or creepy pasta stories. It is a platform that houses an astronomically diverse set of users, as well as literally any song or subject that you can think of. To investigate how this source could be implemented and how it is currently being used in the educational sector, I looked at credible sources published by sites like the National Education Association and the New York Times. Specifically, a New York Times article written by Stephanie Storm in 2012 states that more teachers are creating YouTube channels and playlists that are used as resources by other teachers and as well as by Google itself. This quote illuminates a network type of educational transmission that is similar and almost adjacent to the in-classroom active learning environments that have been proven time and time again to increase cognitive retention when put into practice with any subject at any educational level. This connecting of material also allows for a diverse set of perspectives to be shared in an educational capacity, which in turn allows for an increase of skills such as empathy and creative problem solving amongst all students. Rest assured that YouTube is also doing its part to ensure a front row seat in every classroom. They have specific sections of the Creator Academy designed by teachers for teachers. They also host a slew of educational examples, commentary videos, and helpful testimonials to entice both students and teachers to benefit from the utilization of this tool. Another article that I came across, written by Phil Nast and posted to the National Education Association's website, outlines how educators are facing the many issues that arise with YouTube's implementation into classrooms. Some of these challenges include decreased intention spans due to the platform's wide array of entertainingly distractive materials. However, Mr. Nast brings his readers' attentions to the access limitations available to schools. Aptly named, these tools are called YouTube for Schools, and they, quote, allow schools to access educational content on YouTube EDU while limiting access to non-educational content, end quote. Controls such as this can be very useful to keep in mind as solitary teachers and even entire districts progress with their decisions on the efficacy of internet usage in schools. Through my research in this assignment, I've come to the conclusion that 
Assessing this platform in juxtaposition with this very assignment has allowed me to better understand firsthand how employing new technologies in a classroom can be helpful and hurtful. There is definitely a frustrating learning curve, as there was with the podcast materials, but there's also a tremendous reward in the form of acquiring new technical skills. That is to say that through the implementation of any new digital media into a classroom, whether that be YouTube, Flipgrid, or even Clip, you can expose your students to materials in new unique ways within social spaces that are often integral to different technological learnings.